What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Soul with C.F. Smith. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome friends, we're listening to episode 22 of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran, thanks very much for your company. Uh, we have a fantastic episode today. Before we dive in, uh, the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, uh, the 21st century soul, jazz, funk, Latin and hip-hop radio station that you can find at www.blueingreenradio.com. We would love for you to check us out and check out some of the fantastic programming that we're able to showcase from all over the world. These podcast series, as we said, run in conjunction with the radio station and uh, we we release these episodes on the first, second and third Monday of every month and uh, they're an absolute joy to put together. We've had some lovely feedback, particularly from episode 21, which aired recently. Um, which was myself and uh, Rhonda from uh, San Jose, California discussing how iTunes uh, has moved on from its current format and we had this really cool conversation near the latter half of the episode where we got to kind of talk about us as music uh, consumers and um and, and and the experience that that has evolved into over the years that's a very broad uh, description but I did want to uh, shout out because we did have some really great feedback for that episode and it's a great episode and I'd urge you to check it out um, as we said these episodes, these podcasts run in conjunction with the radio station so what we tend to do mostly on these uh, podcasts is to meet our incredible lineup of presenters as as we just mentioned Rhonda uh, presents Ride the Vibe and today's episode uh, where we're heading over to Melbourne Australia sunny Melbourne Australia uh, to talk to uh, Vahe the uh, creator the um, presenter of uh, Confessions of a Curly Mind which air on a Friday at 5pm UK time and they rerun on Thursdays uh, the following Thursdays in the morning please check out um, our schedule page for all times etc um, but we have an extra special episode because we did connect with Vahe on episode 2 if I remember correctly um, very early in January 2019 and uh, he's an absolute pleasure to talk to, he's um um, to sort of provide a bit of our background, how I kind of uh, knew who he was, etc. I'd urge you to check out the episode too. But today's episode in particular uh, is talking about his uh, most recent episode of Confessions of a Curly Mind. Now, I say this in the ep- in the uh, actual podcast where we talk about what Confessions of a Curly Mind is. I'll give you a super quick rundown now. Uh, Confessions of a Curly Mind is a show... <laughs> which averages now about five hours. It was supposed to be like a two-hour show, uh, but it, they, the show the shows average about five hours in length, which shows you the detail and the commitment to each episode. It really does, um, and they are a celebration. Basically, it's Vahe's celebration of uh, his favorite artists, and um, he delves into the 
the just the gems of their catalogue, including remixes, uh, b-sides, unreleased live recordings, bootlegs, and um, as many treasures that he can uncover. Um, and we've had some great episodes, some great people that we've covered and have uh, celebrated over the course of Confessions of a Curly Mind being a part of Blue and Green Radio. This episode um, that we're talking about today is uh, Vahe's celebration of the brilliant work, incredible, unrivaled work of James Yancey, uh, most most famously known as Jay Diller, um, uh, obviously originally by uh, known as JD, which is my favourite way to refer to him, and Vahe's as well, which I found out on today's episode. Uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, this is as big a celebration uh, as, as you can get. Uh, the episode length for this episode of Confessions of a Curly Mind racks 33 plus hours. That is a single show, friends. Yes, recorded in different parts over months, many months, but uh, it is the complete length of the show. So we, we uh, yeah, if you're pinching yourself, or you have to rewind that you heard correctly. Um, <laughs> he's the only dude that can do this and was just, I said this in episode two, uh, but sort of at Blue and Green Radio's inception, it was always about just changing people's perceptions of what you thought, of what they thought radio could be. You know, everything was supposed to be different. Everything that this station did was supposed to be different. And we're showcasing a 33 plus hour show on on an artist who is probably the single biggest influence to a lot of the presenters that we have um i mean i myself i've done a couple of uh, shows celebrating jd's productions and music uh, on blue and green radio if you uh, tune in you'll find them uh, on sort of on rotations uh, our very own Sean Sophia uh, who presents Raw Select Music had a fantastic fantastic uh, two hour uh, tribute to Jay Diller which came out um, early this year on Diller Month uh, February being Diller Month uh, 2019 he had a great two hour show and you can check that out on his Mixcloud page as well and um, as we said Vahe has his epic celebration that we were a part of right now so I'll give you a quick rundown uh, of how this is playing out the complete 33 plus uninterrupted hours of this episode of confessions of a curly mind uh will air on sunday the let me get my calendar how unprofessional um will air on sunday the 11th of august 2019 so it, it will start at midnight uh, Sunday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, 11th of August, and it will play uninterrupted since that, from that whole time. So uh, these will eventually be available, be made available on SoundCloud, so you can catch this at your leisure. Um, however, if you tune in at any point on a Sunday, this is UK time, obviously, so please check listings or, or please check your time zones, etc., etc., um, and you can catch just. I feel like saying if you tune in you'll hear a Dilla song you didn't know was a Dilla song that you didn't know existed and you'd never heard before that's that's kind of where we're at um, and uh, I think it's it's going to be incredibly special so the entire as I said the entire uninterrupted show will air on Sunday the 11th of August it will then be broken up into six separate episodes six separate parts which will start airing on a Friday 
the 16th of August, again, UK time, 5 p.m. And uh, they will play in six parts. And then it's replayed on the following Thursday morning at 6 a.m. The 6 a.m. on the Thursday morning may not be of much relevance to the UK people, but it's really for people overseas, uh, which is a, a probably a way more suitable time and has proved to be a way more suitable time if you are overseas. And it will also have a replay on that Sundays as well. So every Sunday we'll also have the, that part replayed. I hope all that made sense. We are going to put all this in the description of the podcast and make everything as clear and explicitly laid out as possible. Uh, oh, so yeah, I think that's 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 the majority done. So um, we have two two songs played uh, on each podcast episode. Our guest, in this case, Farhe, picks the closing track uh, for uh, the episode today. Um, I I'll, I don't want to do any spoilers, but yeah, it's a Dilla song, and uh, it's only right that I open with one myself. And um, uh, I'm not going. I'm not going too off piece uh, with my selection. I'm just going to pick a song that I think is vastly underappreciated amongst JD Productions, and I'm going to pick a song from Bilal's debut album, Firstborn Second. He, um, it's a great album. There's some brilliant, brilliant timeless uh, tracks on there, but there is a JD produced track called Reminisce, and it features Most Def and Common. I absolutely love it. It is a masterpiece of a song. Why he only contributed one song to that project, I don't know. However, it's fantastic. It's I just think it's really, really underappreciated. So I wanted to showcase it in this instance right now. Uh, so here we go. Bilal uh, with Reminisce. And um, as soon as that song's done, we're going to go straight to Melbourne to talk to Vahe. It's gonna, we're going to talk all things Dilla. So uh, thanks very much, gang. I very much hope you enjoy the show. Uh, yo, just when I think that I forgot you I hear that dub that we used to rock to Just when I think I'm getting on without you Somebody passed and asked me about you Was in the back of a cab the other day Swore to God I saw you walking past the other way Wait a minute, my heart rushed, my face flushed Tell the driver hit the brakes, slow the pace up Wait up, it wasn't you Realizing some mirage I was running to Damn, can the effects of love and time Cause the mind to trick the eye I wonder how you're getting by And all the stars still in your eye And do you still just get the vibe To break the bank and spend the time I reminisce and shift the time To when you was mine Years ago In the midst Of hallways And sliding doors Missing links Are very, very Obscure Vision of you
my sweet nasally voice once more i am i'm i'm glad and relieved more than anything are you well yeah i'm good man um i'm in my yeah. robe i'm sitting in my uh leather red leather recliner um awesome. in my sanctum my little sanctum sanctorum i got a little study that i do all my shit in awesome. um yeah i'm chilling man i got my tea with condensed milk yeah. you should have tea with condensed milk <laughs> well like, I'm, a, I'm a black coffee drinker so yeah, I, I have never had the right. condensed milk. Should I should I be adding it to my my repertoire? <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're in the market for just sweetening up your shit like crazy, then okay. I'd recommend it. Yeah, Nestle condensed milk in stores. Okay. This episode yeah. is sponsored by. <laughs> Didn't we start off last last time with the same shit? Like we got sponsored by a product. <laughs> Like five minutes I, in. <laughs> I, I think it was. I can't remember what it was. Oh, I'll have to hit mm. them up for uh, an additional sponsorship. But <laughs> yeah, so I think it's it's, it's, it's midnight. Time. Wait, it's uh, it's midnight in Melbourne right now, right? God, that sounds like an eighties movie. But yeah, it, it, it is. It sounds like a brilliant eighties movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I'm gonna. You know what? I'm writing that one down. That's actually a pretty cool eighties soundtrack al- album too. That could yeah. absolutely. That could be one for the band. That could be one for. <laughs> anything uh, man yeah mm. midnight midnight in melbourne um midnight so i apologize for the late call 
Uh, it's three, no, just gone 3 p.m. now on our, on the same day as Tuesday for me in London. So I'm normally on the midnight calls with everyone else around the world. So this feels, well, guilt-ridden, to be honest. <laughs> oh, man, don't. This is my peak. Uh, this is when I peak during any given yeah. day. It's, it's the midnight midnight hour in the midnight hour in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> Look, that's that's when I peak, again. <laughs> Yes, my brain's already working while I'm talking to you. My brain's working in the background. Trust me. I just um, want credit. But I'm That's a- all I want. <laughs> but I'll be up till at least four or five in the morning because that's just how I roll for some reason. So this is that's fine for pretty- me. <laughs> and then you'll be up at what time then on on Wednesday? Uh nine ish. That's yeah. heavy. Wow. Nine-ish. I'm up to about one, and yeah. I'm up at six. Yeah, I think you told me five five hours is good for you. I, I can do four minimum. I'm good with four. And if I get more than six, I'm just like dopey the whole day. Oh, so I don't know what's up. Yeah. I just I don't know. Like I've trained my body to do that just because of all the late night shit I've been doing for <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> What do, what do you what do you currently what sort of keeps you what are you doing are you watching stuff clearly you're not making music obviously that would piss everyone off I guess or if you're drumming away at at midnight or one in the morning <laughs> um, what, no well not nothing like of uh, say not live music unless it's a soft acoustic yeah. guitar well it's just me strumming alone in a room which gets a bit depressing oh you can get so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I tend to avoid that unless I'm feeling really in my feelings and then I might, you know, bust out of like an acoustic track or something. Like right. uh, late, lately I've been trying to master, um, there's this interlude by Goody Mob on their first album. Uh, it's just called Free. It's called the Free Interlude. It's like a one, one minute joint. Yeah. And it's like the most soulful one minute track you've ever heard. And I'm trying to like adapt it to an acoustic sort of southern feel. Oh, um, nice. But for some reason, it's just, it's, I've been trying for like two months and it's like the simplest shit. And I can't <laughs> seem to pull it, <laughs> I can't seem to pull it off. I'm like, what <laughs> the hell? I've done more complex stuff than this. And I'm like, nah, man, this is, that's not sounding right. And I'm just like, it's just annoying the shit out of me. But yeah, you're trying, I, to, you're trying, trying to replicate that, like, it. You're trying to replicate yeah. it or you're just trying to adapt it to something else that you're hearing in your head. I'm trying to cover it, but it's just not, I don't know, something's not working. Like, it's just something missing. And I'm just still trying to figure that out. But otherwise, I, it's a really good song, and I think I can perform it well enough. It just It's sounding like shit right now. So um, I work on that every now and then. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing Free, the Midnight in Melbourne mix. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah, I'll make, it, I'll make DJ edits. I'll, I'll release it on Wax for the DJs you- as well. Actually, I have a question for you. It kind of occurred to me just before um, sort of logging on, because I was going to, one of the first things I was going to ask you was music, actually, in terms of your band and how, how that was going. Because I've seen you do lots of Facebook updates of you guys all jamming and stuff like that, which sound brilliant. Um, and mm. that was kind of going to be my first question. Like, what is in the water over in Melbourne? Because like in the last year, the amount of music that I just sort of happen across that just happens to be from Melbourne. I don't, I'm not looking for music from Melbourne specifically, but mm. I'll just get so much new music that I'll be like, Oh, what's this? And they're a, a Melbourne, Australia band. Like, have you heard of uh, kick I'm a bit late on that one. They've been around for a couple of years, like a sort of a neo soul band uh, from Melbourne. I've, you know, recently, like in the last year, I, I'm a bit late, but I got heavy mm. into Hi- Coyote and all of their offshoot projects, like the Putbacks and there's Hope Street Records. And 
Like Melbourne music oh, yeah. is insane. Man, it really is. Like, um, in terms of like anywhere I've been in this country, it's still music central. Like in terms of late night places, the city's open twenty four seven, so there's always some shit happening music wise. That's really interesting. Lots of local bands, lots of local bands, DJs, um, lots of live venues, and just it's it's a it's a place designed to facilitate just uh, round the clock music entertainment in one form mm. or fashion. And it's something they kind of screwed up in, say, Sydney when they introduced all these um, lockout laws where you can't do shit past a certain time. Right. So they've crippled all these like late night businesses. So that that Sydney as a as a late night city or late night party destination not that great melbourne you come down because there's always some shit happening doesn't matter what time you're wandering around the city um i've had heaps of experiences like that myself like in the last 20 years you know you go somewhere get get drunk get fucked up and then you just walk around you walk into any random bar and some awesome music is happening there's a band playing (laughs) or it's an acoustic jam thing or it's a dj um and they're they're in all the random places like alleyways, warehouses, um, underground bunkers and shit. I've I've been like pretty crazy places just in Melbourne, and Melbourne is tiny, man. Like it is really, really small. <laughs> like it's a small place, and the city you can circumnavigate the city in one night. Um, wow. Yeah, you can do the whole thing in one night, but you can you can do the whole city in one night, but you can live here the live here like I have my whole life and still not see a quarter of the places um, that exist and actually not even know about them. So it is really, it is really uh, inducive of a great creative environment. It's really, you pick up on that when you're here. Like if you're creative, you'll really dig the vibes, just the general vibe of the population, the look and the feel of the city. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you're right, there's something definitely is something in the water lately at least. We're getting a lot of love around the world lately. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, even jazz stuff is really coming through as well. There's a, a few few jazz acts. I don't know if they're specifically from Melbourne in complete honesty, but I've never mm-hmm. had so much Australian jazz at the moment as well. So it's it's really exciting to see. It's almost you really, almost rolling your eyes now, like Melbourne again. What the Yeah, dude. <laughs> um I was at Bird's Basement, so that's a pretty cool venue that we've had recently open up in the last 12 months ish. I think it's pretty fresh. And that's where I saw Van Hunt uh, about a month ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. I got to meet him after the gig and shake his hand and just have a chat, whatever. Take, take a couple of happy snaps. And he was real cool. Real cool dude. Well, so no, I was just going to ask, did you tell him about how much of a fan you are and that you guys have reached out on like online and stuff like that? Did he know who you were? Or you... <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm sure he's, he he gets that kind of shit all the time. And like, yeah. I have actually talked to him about ten years ago. I interviewed him once for a magazine I was working for when I, I reviewed oh, cool. his album at the time. And we we interviewed over the phone for an hour and had a great time. And he sang me a fucking gospel song over the phone. Oh, that was a real oh. a kick out of that. But I brought that up. Of course, he didn't remember that shit. That was a while ago. <laughs> um, but then. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm pretty omnipresent on a lot of my, like, favorite artists' social medias. So some of them just know me, just they see the name and they, like, recognize some shit 
mm. that I've done that relates to them. But him, oh, okay. uh, he, nah, he didn't at all. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, hey, wow. my, my name's V, you know, I'm friends with such and such because he knows other people that I know, sort of like other fans right. or artists. Like, yeah, uh, this guy, I'm, I'm friends with this guy and I've done this. We we did an interview this this time. He's like, yeah, 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 I'm not sure we did. <laughs> <laughs> like, like man, that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't expect him to remember who I was, but <laughs> he was a real, um, he was real approachable, like real friendly, just laid back cat, like totally as advertised, just a real cool dude. Hmm. Um, I just wish we had, there was a full band with him. It was like solo. It was him and a drum machine, which is still awesome. Um, because that's all we need really with Van. It's just him and his guitar and and a yeah. drum machine, I guess. Um, I hope next time he comes down with a full band or if my fantasy played out right, there would have been a kit on the stage and I would have just jumped on. <laughs> yeah. He said at the beginning, if y'all feel like jumping on the stage and joining me, just feel free. I was like, this motherfucker serious. Cause I, I would, I'll do it. I told him after the gig, I'm like, dude, if I thought you were serious, I would have jumped on with you, man. For real, I would have sung a song with you or something, <laughs> which apparently someone did the following night. Oh, so, wow. Did they get yeah. punched off? off? <laughs> no, it was like a it was like a female singer. I think she was a local singer, and then she happened to take him up on his offer. Or yeah, oh, wow. it seemed pretty impromptu. So I think he was pretty laid back in that regard too. But yeah, maybe next time. Next time, Van. Definitely. I saw um I saw Van Hunt live as well at the Jazz Cafe in London uh, years ago. Like. Wow. I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years ago. This is obviously he's already oh, a big name. This is like two albums in i would have thought and um right again it was a solo like acoustic thing and it was like on a friday night and i i don't think anyone knew it was gonna be that and i there was yep. sort of an energy where people really wanted to, to to dance really and i just had dust in my head i just thought i'm gonna lose it when when the band played <laughs> dust but it was just him yeah. and it dust is this very mellow acoustic version and he kind of flitted between guitar and piano and it was right. just really awkward at times because at various times I think he it was dawning on him that where he kind of thought oh you guys wanted to party and this isn't that <laughs> night you know and people yeah. they were very respectful but they were just sort of staring at the screen kind at the screen, at the stage almost waiting for something mm. to happen that wasn't going to happen and he kept saying you guys okay okay here's the next <laughs> and it was just like he uh, okay. was like uh, they seem like they're not quite sure what's happening and everything everyone kind of thought oh yeah that's that's dance. more like you got to manage your expectations as an artist too like if it's a friday yeah. night then yeah you got to probably bring like a band and some high energy shit with you yeah. yeah but like what he did at bird's basement was in the middle of the week it was a wednesday night so it was it was rainy cold wednesday melbourne winter night and it was perfect for for that setting yeah for him to be solo but yeah i think with the the one you just described yeah i could understand yeah but it was very pleasant he's obviously immensely talented so um it was yeah Yeah, it was it was fine nobody was mad at anything yeah (laughs) Uh, um, but yeah it's very good and speaking of which speaking of melbourne music how's how's yours how's the band going yeah we're um so one of our members uh, is traveling India right now. He went to his cousin's wedding and he's just doing like oh, wow. his little Indian, um, you know, you do your travels when you go to India, you do the whole spiritual journey. Um, but he's, he's kind of from there. So he kind of goes back mm-hmm. every now and then. Um, so he's traveling. We're just kind of taking a break. And um, I think we're going to meet up again in two weeks and start to nice. start jamming again and working on material. 
it's kind of an ongoing process, but it's mm. uh, it's once a week and it's it's fun just to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, I can't think what making music must be like. It must be amazing. It's pretty cool, yeah. but like like I don't know if I mentioned in the past, I'm not a like I, I'm not a learned musician. Like I didn't learn notes, mm. I didn't <laughs> learn theory. I'm unteachable. That's why I can. <laughs> I would just <laughs> throw my head into doing whatever I wanted to do and did it my own way to achieve it the same result or something similar. And yeah, that's that's what it feels like to me is just the fact that I can just sort of, it's almost like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's but there's so many of it is your me. heroes and my heroes though had that same approach, right? I suppose. Yeah, but it never comes across that way because they end up being these established artists and you're like, well, they're not just freaking born this way. You know, there is a process to how you get to like legendary status mm. or even just, you know, decent musician status. You just got to do. Yeah. That's pretty much the bottom line, I guess. And what a perfect segue into the main topic of our conversation. Yeah. Turn it so, up. Uh, this is, <laughs> Wow. Like, I'm so super excited just to talk to you about it, let alone what we're about to talk about. But, like, the, yeah. the epic nature of what you've you've put together. So, as a super quick rundown, Confessions of a Curly Mind, it averages, mm. averages at about a five-hour length show. And it's uh, you exploring the uh, the remixes B-side, besides the uh, the rarities, the unreleased, the live, uh, the covers, et cetera, et cetera, of your favorite artists, basically. And we kind of work through uh, a long list uh, of, of, of people that we've, uh, people that you've, you know, you've come to celebrate, shall we say. And um, I, I guess in our last conversation, which was, I think, really late December 2018, uh, I think we discussed mm. the longest episode, which was uh, static at like eight hours. Um, had that come out? I don't think that had yes, come out. definitely had, yeah. Had it come out already? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that definitely was the longest. It was just eight, eight hours and four minutes. Or, yeah, eight-ish. Yes, that's the one, yeah. And um, and you've now worked on a show for JD slash Dilla slash James Yancey. And may I ask you mm-hmm. to, to let everyone know on the, the show length of, of this episode of The Confessions? Well, first of all, I'm an idiot, you know, because this, this is just not normal. It's, it's not what normal people should be doing with their time. Um, they shouldn't be taking nine months to basically... Uh, to give birth to this child and but I did so yeah it's um so it took me it took me about nine months and the final runtime on this show for JD Dilla uh is from memory exact amount was was 33 hours 30 30 minutes and 58 seconds approximately give or take a few seconds oh my <laughs> but, yeah, oh. so it was, it was supposed to be about Dilla Day at the end of the day, but I was shooting yeah. for 24. Obviously, you know, I just oh, constantly overshooting. Um, that's what she said. <laughs> I don't know if that works. Um, how does that work? Does that even work? <laughs> um, it's probably best not explored. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, that's 
that's all we're dealing with. So, I, like I said, I'm I'm an idiot. I took too long. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to get this show out by February because that's Dilla month. You know what I mean? Like he was born and, and passed away in mm. February. Thought what better time to do this? And I had I had time. Like I had at least a few months from the last show I did uh, to get it done by February. Uh, come February, and I've got about 500 tracks, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to whittle this down, and it's going to be an awesome show. Probably like static length. You know, I aim for that about seven or eight hours mm. um, to be conservative. Um, and then every week that went by, I'm just like bashing my head against the wall. Like you have no idea how frustrating it was. I know we didn't communicate for months at a time because I just didn't have anything to say because I was just like so <laughs> flummoxed. I'm just sitting there going, okay, I'm doing this. I'm compiling it. And then as I'm compiling it, I'm researching credits. Oh my God, more shit just happens to pop up. I never heard about, uh, more unreleased stuff, more like basement shit. Um, which didn't get released on anything. A lot of rare remixes, rare stuff. I reckon even the most ardent Dilla fan has never heard yet. Um, even myself, who I consider a huge JD fan, his influence on me is massive, um, just personally, in terms of just bedroom beat making and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, to come across some of the things I found that I put into this show, <laughs> I was just like, What? the hell and as a show i finally finally compiled it and it's like about 700 and something tracks at the end of the day 711 i think um as i'm putting the show together when i record my vocal bits i look for instrumentals of the artist i'm covering just to put in the background like it's background music there's always some music playing and i actually mix it into the end of whatever song i played in the playlist so it's kind of still flows if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, in the process of doing that, I <laughs> I uncovered even more like Dilla beats. And some of them were like some of the best shit I ever heard. I'm like, God damn you. <laughs> um, so I couldn't even use them. I'm like, oh my God, I so wanted to put this in, that in. I'm like, but dude, 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 <laughs> dude, just finish it. Just do it. And it took me like two whole days to record my vocal bits and 33 hours later, I've got a massive Dilla show that, uh, that I'm super thankful that um, my man Imran here is super patient. <laughs> uh, but this this is basically content to make up for the last, well, for pretty much the entire year so far. <laughs> 20, 2019, <laughs> content sorted. I do have more shows coming that are more regular size and I've already started working on the next one. So... Um, well, hopefully this well, will serve us for a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you you described yourself as an idiot. I don't think that that's accurate. I think you're a genius. I think anyone that's heard an episode of Confessions will attest to that. And I think any Dilla fan, when they hear even an hour of what this show entails, I think they're going to think that you're a genius as well. I think it's <laughs> it's insane. It's that it's that level of detail, though. It's not just like you, okay, let's just let's just play every record that he's done, you know, or mm. released back to back. And that there it is. There's a show. And this isn't like a series of mixes. This is what where this is what makes you genius. This isn't a series mm. of mixes that you've I know you've recorded things separately, etc., but it's still a it's a complete show. I mean, this has got to be like in the Guinness Book of Records or something. It's insane. I don't like, know. It's a complete show. I think it's it's 
it's up there. And specifically with this show, I did something I haven't done, which I've been meaning to do, is compile like actual interviews as well, like just vocal like interview nuggets that I've spread across the entire length of the show to just get like a more of a firsthand experience and really make it an emotional tribute from fans because all you hear on the show is just like his his peers like all the artists you and i love who love him talking about him and how great he is and there's like millions of us out there who aren't you know didn't get the chance to hang with the guy to know him personally and you know be friends or even musicians and musical peers we had he had the similar impact on the, just the population who who listened to his shit who then got into beat making because of him, um, like yeah. myself. Like I wouldn't have touched Fruity Loops back in the, back in two thousand and one uh, if I hadn't heard a shit ton of Dilla uh, up to that point, like early JD era beats. And I got into beat making because of him. Um, and then you slowly start to learn he was behind some of your favorite artists' music growing up. Yeah, and then that starts to blow your mind a little bit. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of crazy, but it kind of felt right to do it this way, just to present this particular show. It's like, it's going to be crazy long anyway. So why not cull together some really awesome interviews other people have done with him directly or have made tributes with other artists talking about him. I feel like it really frames the whole thing. Like it makes it a bit more personal, like a, like a, like a love letter from fans to him. Yeah, and super some cool. of the most painful, I will mention though, some of the most painful shit while making this was not including some of the really obvious stuff. So while I do have a rare remix of Stakes is High that I don't think right. a lot of people have heard, and it's a JD remix, mm. I have not included the original album version in the, in the mix anywhere okay. other than in the as a background <laughs> instrumental. The same goes for Far Side's Drop as well. Um, and a few other notables that are sort of absent because I was still trying to adhere to that whole concept of make it, you know, rare shit, make it unheard stuff. It was really hard, man. (laughs) Oh my God. I felt so shit as well. I'm like, ah, maybe I should have left him in. Uh, That's interesting because you're you're right. I mean, you do like a standard top 10 of Dilla are... I say well known, mm. but they're like a lot of people would go for, you know, I would, I love tribes stressed out. I love find a way. Uh, I love, um, uh, oh, once again, mm. once again, there you go. Once stressed again. out, find yeah. a way once again, running drop. You know, those are ones that a lot of people will instantly gravitate towards. I think climax is majorly overlooked as well from SV. Definitely. Uh, look a love. Um, and uh, those are the ones a lot of people would gravitate towards. So you're right in a way to leave those off because everyone knows them you go mm. to any best of they'll be there but then the the counter argument is hey idiot you've made a 33 hour <laughs> mix you might as well have just included those tracks as well what what the hell you know <laughs> i'm like no it was like the small part of me was being stubborn and shit i'm like no i'm gonna stick to the freaking format as much as i can this is Where artistic is- this is artistic decision <laughs> like ah shit yeah i should have just left them in where, where does where does Dilla fandom? What do you call him? Actually, out of interest, I love asking people that question. Are you a Dilla guy or a JD guy? Um, I'm a JD guy. I'm a JD guy. How, that was his is my favorite era yeah. of his music, to be honest, as well. So I'm I'm a JD guy. 
But where does where does JD or Dilla fandom for you kind of begin? What's the first time you end up you were you heard something and looked it up and thought, who's that? Well, it was very I said it in the show and I'm still not sure. It's it's either a typical experience or it's atypical. I'm not sure which one. I think it's just typical. I've had a typical fan experience where I grew up listening to his stuff, but without knowing that he'd produced the music. And I didn't really get a chance to to read the credits and know who he was till I first heard Fantastic Volume 2 in 2000. A former friend of mine slipped me a copy in high school. Hmm. Um, And it was, again, one of those clicky moments where I listened to it and my brain just wasn't ready for it for some reason. Like I heard half of it that I really loved. And the other half I was kind of iffy on. And slowly, slowly, the style started to really stick to me in terms of the overall aesthetic and his like style of programming drums, not quantizing them, most, mostly playing them live on the pads. You know, you got different tempos. Uh, sometimes the beat and the bass are behind each other. They're not, not everything's like clinically on the one. So you start to notice this funkiness in his production. And that's what really drew me initially. And then I read the credits. I'm like, oh, JD. So what else has JD done? Holy shit. He's done all the tribe shit that I used to love yeah. listening to growing up. Um, from Beats, Rhymes, and Life onwards. Like, because that's, I was pretty young. Like, I was born in 84. So the first couple of tribe albums weren't huge impacts in my life until Beats, mm-hmm. Rhymes, and Life came along. Yeah. Um, too, yeah. Uh, Find a Way. Then when Love Movement came out, and Find a Way was like, Find a way was played a lot on TV here in Australia. All right. Like on the music video shows. It was actually, I don't know, it must have been popular. And that was everywhere. And I didn't know that was Dilla again. Uh, Fast Side, I knew about already. Um, yeah, prior to that, it wasn't that. Uh, Dealer, yeah, the Dealer stuff, of course. Stakes is high. I'd heard that already. Um, and then after 2000, it was really kicked into overdrive. I went backwards and covered all the Dilla stuff or JD stuff I could find. And I really did start in the obscure pile, um, which is weird. I heard the hits and then I went back, did the research. I don't know if you remember this. I mentioned this in the show. There was a guy on that site. I think, I'm not sure if it was Kenny Fresh. Uh, Mm -hmm, somebody, Somebody ran a website called The Renaissance and it was all about Detroit music at the time. Um, whole heap of focus on JD beats and tracks he'd done for local artists up to that point right. from the early nineties, and they were all hosted as real audio, real audio files. You know, remember real audio? Yeah. <laughs> um, real video, the real media player, like it was all RA yeah. files or RAM files, and the really low quality, and it was all that stuff from like the D stuff he'd work with, like other with other artists from Detroit, like um. That one little Indian track. I don't know if you heard that. Um, oh, that makes it uh, The remix. Yeah, he did a remix. And it's like, one little Indian smoking in a tree. R-I-P-P-I-N-G. Yeah, anyway, no, it's it's like... Completely he... different, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it was all this like local production he'd done. And that's, that's where I got fully exposed to his early JD style. Um... And then I swung back around to where he was heading from 2000 onwards. So the Like Water for Chocolate came into my life as well at the same yeah. time. Um, the stuff he did with Mama's Gun. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
like when I realized how much work you put into like Order for Chocolate, that blew my freaking mind. I didn't realize at the time, but when you read the credits, yeah, that was like his album, man. Um, It kind of went from there and then he had a huge impact on me just in terms of beat making and my aesthetic for music approach. I'm not classically trained, but I learned how to drum live by listening to early roots. So do you want more? Mm-hmm. From about do you want more onwards? I used to practice the Questo's beats. Dilla idolizes Questlove's drumming uh, and his and his production on 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 the drums when he produces them. And he kind of takes cues from him. He 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 speaks highly of him. But then Dilla's got his own drunk style, which then Questlove learned from him. So <laughs> Questlove, like me, I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place. I first did the beats. The beats made me go into live drumming. Live drumming made me want to learn how to drum like the beats that I was producing. <laughs> and they all had a similar aesthetic. They're all kind of almost sloppy in a way, not perfect, but they had that behind the beat funk that everyone does now. Mm. Every beat maker in the last 10, 15 years worth their salt, they're doing that Dilla style where it's like, you know, it's like boom, push, boom, push, boom like it's not like just you know one two three four it's like one two three four uh, you know what i mean like it's like it's yeah, like yeah, stutter yeah. it's like a stutter to it so that's the major takeaway otherwise i'll keep talking for like an hour um <laughs> more than major the major influence on me and just a ton of people out there who do anything with beats or live music now because quest love goes on about how it learning how to drum like Dilla, learning Dilla's style and techniques, he had to unlearn everything he'd learned up to that point to be able to drum like him, like how he would produce his beats. And he said it changed his entire approach to music, not just drumming, but to music in overall. And that's the ultimate impact that JD had on all of us. That whole JD, uh, J Dilla changed my life t-shirt mm-hmm. is like ubiquitous as, as it's become it is like a really good catch-all statement because he really did affect people that that deeply. Um, he really had something that had lasting impact and still does reverberates all the way up till modern beat makers. Now, hop on SoundCloud, look at you know, the most recent beat makers and producers and artists out there. They're all cribbing from Dilla's style. They're they're all babies of JD. We are all <laughs> we are all children of JD. You can just put it that way. It's a, I, I'm always kind of um, weirdly proud that he, like I did, I, I'm, I was fairly late. I think I probably became a fan at like 2000, 2001. Um, and that was yeah. sort of the point where I guess like Water for Chocolate, I think I bought that. I initially bought that because it had those those words that I love to see featuring D'Angelo. So that that's on my buy a record. <laughs> so that, that got me into Ghetto Heaven. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'll buy that. And um obviously you, you listen to the whole thing and you, you know production wise you're just like that's like, what's happening. This is this is yeah. insane. Like aphrodisiac, you know, it was just it's just lush as hell. Yeah, dude. And then yeah. yeah, you listen to that and then you go back and then you kind of you look him up and um, I remember stumbling onto Fantastic Volume 2. I think I was looking for Jasmine Taz 3 in HMV in London. Mm-hmm. And they had Jasmine Taz 1 uh, in like in that group. And below it was Jasmine Taz 2. And I thought, oh, this is it. I'm going to finally get my hands on Jasmine Taz 3. But it was Fantastic Volume 2 that was sitting there. And I picked it up <laughs> and I looked at the back. 
and it, it had like a big sticker on the front. So I didn't see, like, I didn't know who Slum Village were. I looked at the back mm. and I'm like, who's on it? And it says featuring D'Angelo. And I thought, yes, <laughs> 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 yes, Guru and D'Angelo. Brilliant. And it was like featuring- marketing people out there. If you need to sell anything to, to this guy, just slap featuring D'Angelo. Hey, buy a T-bone steak from the butcher this week. Half price featuring D'Angelo. And then D'Angelo's at the butcher going, hi. And he's like, you want to buy this tea? Oh, you know, yeah. Nestle Sorry, continue. Milk featuring, <laughs> D'Angelo. featuring D'Angelo. I've never had condensed I milk. I don't does it taste? Does it taste condensed now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, that's got mark, marketability. Marketability, marketability. Yeah. yeah, I love that impression. Sorry. By the way, that is excellent. That is like the theme tune for, for these podcasts. <laughs> oh, good. Um, Sorry, continue, yeah. man. So on the back, it had featuring D'Angelo. It had like uh, yep. featuring Pete Rock, and I thought, oh, wicked! That's excellent. And I was like, featuring Buster Rhymes. That's a weird mm. one for a Jasmine Taz. Featuring Corrupt, this is a weird one for a Jasmatez. And I'm looking, who is this? And it was some village. I didn't know him. I bought him. I bought the CD. I saw the CD. And then again, it's JD. And I got this, I think, after like mm. Water for Chocolate. And then you're just doing the math. And it's just like, hang on, this guy's done done everything. You know, like from the far side yeah. stuff, the, the Uma stuff that have been associated with Tribe. And that was kind of it for me. It was just like... He, that was when I became a real fan. So to see him go on for, I guess, only really a few short years afterward and the legacy that, that his music mm. has gone on to leave, I was sort of happy to be on it. Not obviously at the beginning, like from the 90s, but to be, it wasn't yeah. a retroactive thing for me, you know? So I, I was always really proud of that in a weird way. But um, yeah, his music, it, yeah. it's everything you said about the impact that it had on people. And it's really um, like everyone comes to it uh, in their own way, I guess everyone came to him in their own time, in their own way. I guess obviously since he passed, there's the whole like posthumous fame thing that happens. You know, he, he just exponentially gets more coverage. You know, after he's passed, um, a lot more fans. You know, if you jump on YouTube and check any of the beats people post up of his, and mm-hmm. then the comment section is just all, all like everyone speaking on them is talking like they're old Dillaheads, like they've been around yeah. since like. <laughs> since he was a fucking since he was a zygote swimming around <laughs> swimming in his daddy's nuts you know it's like they act like they act like ah oh, yeah that's that dillo one with the style and the thing and i'm like i bet most of you probably came in pretty late in the game <laughs> but you know it's cool like it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because yeah. like as long as everyone's recognizing the legendariness which is the important thing and i guess the the really important thing i stressed in the in the podcast was um the fact that the there's a Jay Diller estate now that's actually got their shit together over the last few years, right. and they've really if you check the, the actual discog discography of all the work that's been coming out from Slum Village and just like unreleased Diller stuff, it's insane. There's so much officially released stuff coming out in the last three years alone, mm-hmm. like beats, 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 all unreleased Slum Village stuff, um, and it's all Diller estate. Like you can see who's running it now. It's all going back to Marduk's and the family. Um, so that's like one good thing is that there's all this material. We're going to keep getting all the, all this awesome material. We're going to buy it and we can support 
and know it's going to go directly to them um, and mm. just support his you know, family pretty much. I think you've sort of just said it, but I was curious to actually to ask you, and they mention it about how you, how do you feel as a fan about posthumous material from, from artists, you know, in terms of, mm. you know, if it, it should, if, you know, if people didn't want, if he didn't want it out, then people shouldn't really, it should, people should have sort of respected those wishes, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of the same about Prince. Mm. I'm a like insane Prince fan. And obviously oh, yeah. he, he, I think, I, I think it's fairly conclusive to know that, you know if he wanted it heard he would have released it and i think he was such a control freak on his music if there's anyone yes falls into that category it's it's definitely (laughs) yeah yeah and that's the thing i kind of Um, feel that pull it a little bit as a fan because if i'm a real fan i wouldn't buy it but come on hmm. man like that four disc uh purple rain that they re-released a couple (laughs) years ago what i'm not buying that you serious so it's how how do you originals that just came out Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, how, as a fan, how um, do you do? You kind of feel like, oh, I should, you know, this wasn't supposed to be heard because it's it, it's any artist, mm. isn't it? In terms of if it's not finished, you don't want it out, yeah. and if it's not good, you'd rather people didn't associate your name to it. You know. I think mo- uh, look, I just as conceptually, I agree. Like, I I don't really like the posthumous releases because obviously the artist isn't there to to make any decisions based on their work or have any input as to how it's released or even if it's released so it's other people making the decisions whether it's family or if it's just you know dudes in suits trying to make extra money usually it's the it's the latter they're just trying to you know make as much coin out of you living or dead that's kind of the name of the game at the end of the day i mean you're talking to a massive Aaliyah fan lifelong Aaliyah fan so i know exactly how that feels um but uh, in this circumstance, that I, I when I was doing the research specifically with Dilla, there's plenty of um, plenty of interviews to suggest that he had already started making plans for people to have this or have that, or he gave his blessing to certain people to to release this, or he um, he actually set aside a full, well, not fully completed but fully workable demo albums for Slum Village. He actually had them in storage. Oh, wow. Um, and you got young RJ, who's the son of RJ Rice. Yeah. Uh, young RJ, who's currently a member of Slum Village. Um, before he passed, he gave he told young RJ, "Look, there's a storage locker. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. I want you to go there and you know um, retrieve it. There's a whole bunch of things there, labeled, clearly labeled that they can use or release. And that's what they've been releasing lately. Is just this very recently rediscovered stuff that Dilla left for them specifically. That's amazing." Um, be released but not every single thing was like that because they've released a whole bunch of beat tape type releases where it's just his beats um like a minute two minute length beats which i don't think he may have i don't know if he gave blessings for those because i don't know it's hard to tell because they're just beats you know like um it's cool to have them and it's cool that they're getting released but that one i might feel a bit iffy about because i don't know personally if he gave like his okay to say yeah just release whatever you want um it's hard to say because yeah. i reckon as artists if you know anything how artists can be um i don't think a lot of them plan ahead unless you're like a prince or you got a or you're stevie like stevie's vault would be incredible and he's got contingencies for his vault as well apparently if he passes away the specific requests he has in place on how to handle the vault right, right? so i think some people 
most artists wouldn't because they're just like that. Um, but I think if you if you think your stuff is going to be valued after your past, you'd make those uh, you make those plans um, on how it's going to be handled before before things even get tragic. But with Dilla, he saw the writing on the wall like years in advance. Um, he knew his health was declining. He knew it wasn't getting better. He was actually just getting worse. And he just confronted that shit at some point from all the interviews as well. He just seemed to just accept it, confront it head on. And then he made donuts, which was like, yeah. how House Shoes talks about this, right? That shit is freaky and haunting because of, not just because of his skill with chopping samples, right? And how he compo- recomposed them all, um, which we can talk about a little bit if you want. But yeah, absolutely. The main thing, which I kind of felt immediately when I first bought the vinyl, um, and still when I listen to it to this day, if you try to keep your ears peeled for all the vocal samples he uses, where he's taking random words out of context and reassembling them to say other things, and like how she says, and like I, what I picked up on was they're all very dark and they're all very foreboding. They talk about death, um, and things of that nature. Like they're very, it was almost like a, a goodbye letter. Like he weaved this goodbye letter through samples and vocal samples because at that time, apparently he was so sick. He could, he couldn't even communicate verbally half the time. Oh, shoot. Um, yeah. So he was making that to communicate and that's how he chose to communicate. It was like a, just a goodbye, um, to, to, I guess to everyone at the end of the day. Yeah. Wow. No, I hadn't. Oh, I didn't. No, I didn't know that. I know there is a lot. There is a lot of history about mm. how that album was put together and stuff. But I've yet to to really explore a lot of it. Yeah, it's, there's like the yeah. surface story. With him. you drill a bit deeper, and it's it's a little more than just he was on his deathbed making beats. Like it gets a little deeper than that. But I guess that's the nutshell version. Um, but in terms of that those kind of releases and things he had planned for, I don't have a problem with, but in general, I'd probably agree with you guys. I'm never really a huge fan of what comes after when an artist has pretty much stopped being able to give their, their say in how it gets released or what gets released. Yeah. I guess I'm just, I'm sort of yeah. sit on the both on the fence for both in a way, in terms of as long as people just accept it for what it is, you know, I, I kind of mm. mentally, there's a line in terms of what constitutes, material that i would associate with him and what doesn't yeah. you know but um i'll yeah, tell you no, what though if they just put if they just put featuring featuring d'angelo <laughs> on it i'm sure people would buy that shit up that's, that's, that's all we need to do people <laughs> and actually on that note i'm always a bit disappointed that they didn't do more together to be honest like i would have thought he'd be uh-huh. all over voodoo because yeah. every time i'd read anything on voodoo they'd always say oh it's so inspired <laughs> by dylan it's like well why didn't you do anything with him then like it was all in that whole I... sort of Aquarian session of uh mama's gun things fall apart like water for chocolate and it's like well why didn't you just talk about why why relegate him to an inspiration as opposed to a collaborator yeah i literally said the same thing in vain in the show halfway through the show i was just like you know what this is actually bugging me that out of all those, like out of that golden Solquarian era of run of albums from say 99, 2000, 2001 and voodoo was such a game changer. 
And years after the fact, they kind of downplayed his involvement in the beginning. They didn't really talk about him being that hands-on, but he was apparently really hands-on, man. He was there. He was there for the sessions. He jammed with them. And he he definitely inspired them overall because the, the entire sound of voodoo and the aesthetic of voodoo and the way they constructed it with the drum, with the drunken drumming and the sloppy drums and purposely playing shit off time all came from Dilla. So that entire album, as far as I'm concerned, it's been completely recontextualized after I've put this show together. I'm like, holy shit, man. I just add that to his list of achievements. Why don't yeah. you? Like, voodoo. Like, these days in the recent interviews from Red Bull Music Academy and other, like, uh, interviews Quest has given on the subject, he's pretty much given almost all the uh, all the inspiration to, to the entire voodoo project to JD. Um. And it boggles the mind. Like, why didn't he actually get a production credit? I know. Why didn't he actually collab properly collaborate on the on Wax and have his name on there? Like, why? What What would stop you from doing that? Um, it's, that was the, that was a head scratcher. Like, listen to Chicken Grease, man. Listen to freaking um, the way that Player Player is programmed. It's like the the most you could say is okay. D'Angelo already had that kind of style on his first album when he was programmed the drums on Brown Sugar or whatever production he did on that album, he had a similar aesthetic in terms of his, there was like a similar stutter to his style as well. Like he had a similar swag to JD, Mm. but his style didn't really morph into the voodoo style until both him and Quest and then James Poyser and Pino Palladino, all these cats, great musicians in their own right. All of them worship at the altar of JD. Yeah. And that al- that voodoo album, man, that is I'm I'm forever more from this day forward counting it as one of his production <laughs> credits because he technically apparently the closest he got to production was um, uncredited production work on Feel Like Making Love the the cover that they did yeah um, on that album so I included that track from Voodoo in the mix because that's the was sort of unofficially confirmed by Quest at one point that he did uncredited production work on that track and then there was an unreleased beat that they didn't use yes. called jd marvine yeah right so that was just from one of his beat tapes though so that's not really i don't know it was really then done yeah, anything with it. yeah i didn't know if that was supposed to be oh here's a beat use it as something to build on or i didn't ever understand that it didn't fit with anything i wasn't really sure what you know when that initially came out yeah, it could have been an interlude maybe you know like he did mm-hmm. interludes on like what of a chocolate yeah. possibly because they didn't do there was nothing else in that demo. It was straight from his beat tape because I found the same beat on one of his old beat tapes. So they didn't really do anything with it. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that was, it was weird, right? It's weird yeah. that he wasn't on there. I suppose James Poise is another one who he's really only credited on chicken grease. If I remember correctly. And he's another one that I, again, very surprised with a very, you know, at least he, at least he got his name in the, in the credits, but um I definitely would have thought Poiser would have been way more involved in voodoo than he apparently was. But you're right, JD, considering the, I mean, Poison wasn't mentioned as anything. Uh, the only reason his chicken grease seems to have been included is because that was supposed to be uh, something for uh, chocolate. And I think D'Angelo yeah. heard it and went, what's like, no, I need that. And that seems to be the only reason yeah. Poiser was included. But 
it just seems weird that you know if it's like oh prince is my hero prince is my hero and then prince says hey do you want to do something <laughs> no no it's okay I'll, I'll prefer just to keep a picture of you in the studio i don't want to work with you no <laughs> it's like why that doesn't make any sense <laughs> and it's like he was right there yeah, like yeah. it just doesn't make sense but yeah oh well so what oh, will well. be to, to sort of wrap up <laughs> what i don't want to impose on your closing song which is a perfect choice and probably would have been my choice for opening song but without imposing on that right. what are like a handful of your just absolute favorite dealer tracks oh my god uh, <laughs> um I, i've got a spare 30 hours um, i don't mind <laughs> oh, yeah okay look i'll some of the ones that come to mind like you like you said we're both say from the jd era like say mm. 90s sort of era that we sort of really love his, his work from that era i love i love all of his dealer shit too don't get me wrong like i love yeah. all of his stuff um but one that really sticks out as being extra musical is the um the dear davenport song bullshitting oh wow nice um yeah, it's super freaking jazzy and laid back. I think it's gotten it's gotten Adia's band uh, playing on the tracks, like playing the horns and stuff. But it's so clearly a JD beat, and the bass line is programmed by him, and it's so super like. And the keys on that, everything on that track is just so smoky and laid back, man. I love everything about that track. Mm. Um, that definitely comes to mind. Um, there's a bunch of stuff he did with Proof. Uh, they had a group called the Funky Cowboys, right? Um, in the early '90s, and a whole bunch of really early JD stuff. Wow. He produced uh, actually all the early shit because he had different periods. He had periods producing under the name John Doe. Uh, he produced under the name Jay Dharma, which is like a, an allusion to Jeffrey Dharma. I think he's one of like an American serial killer. <laughs> um, <laughs> he also, yeah, that's that's a, that's a bit intense one. Jay Dharma. Um, he also went under the name. God, he was part of a group called Ghost Town, um, and also FC, which was Funky Cowboys. There's so much old shit that I've fallen in love with while what I've been researching this show. But yeah, bullshit noise comes to mind. Um, find a way, just because I, I I played the shit out of that song when it first came out, not yeah. knowing it was him. But I just love that song. Um, yeah, honestly, you've asked a really tough question, man. But yeah, Think yeah. Twice is up there. I'll segue into Think Twice because that's yes, probably go ahead. Yeah, perfect, it's a perfect, perfect place pick. to go into it. I mean, like I told you in the email, I, I could have gone obscure and real, uh, you know, artsy fartsy with my choice and been like, "Oh, this this <laughs> track came out in 1993 in uh, T3's <laughs> Dats collection <laughs> that was recently." Recently rediscovered after a flood and restored <laughs> chemically and digitally and spiritually or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Like nothing, nothing fancy. It's purely, <laughs> purely, um, very obvious choice. Think twice because first of all, it's just so well made. Um, yeah. first of all, he didn't, you, at the time, I think he did it from the interviews and shit that I research I did. He did it just to show that he could do it and that, he had the freedom from the BBE label to yeah. say, hey, man, go ahead and make whatever you want. No restrictions. Whatever's on your mind, go ahead and do it. So he's like, I love, he loved that song. He wanted to tribute it, recreate it in his style, but make it sound like a, an old 45. But he did. It's and a completely main... brilliant reworking of that song. It's nothing like the original. It's a genius re reworking. 
Totally. And the he's pretty much um, – so here's the misconception about this song. And I'll talk about the two versions of it as well. Um, so first of all, the misconception is everyone thinks that – okay, it says Think Twice featuring Dwele, mm-hmm. right? So it's got Dwele on, on the song. To your knowledge, who's who's singing the vocals on that track? I always thought it was JD. Well, they, you're spot on because it was uh-huh. JD. But a million and one people think, well, yeah, that sounds like Dwele. It says featuring Dwele. We're going to go ahead and say that's Dwele on the vocals. And yeah. I was cool with that. I was one of those people. I'm like, yeah, yeah, pretty much sounds like him and maybe like a more like low key version, but definitely sounds a little like him. Nah. So Dwele <laughs> played keys, he played bass, uh, he played the trumpet. Dwele's brother Antoine played the trombone on the track, so they did the horn section. Um, Dilla, obviously, I'm pretty sure he played the drums, sampled himself, and then programmed them. Um because all the drums sound live, I'm sure he probably just he does he probably did what I did and sampled his own kit, and then just pro- reprogrammed the shit live to make it sound live. Um, and then he did the vocals. So Dwelly tells the story towards the very end of the show. Dwelly tells the story about how they're in the booth. Uh, he's saying how people think he sang the vocals. He's like, nah. He's like, nah. Dilla got in the booth, man. It's the craziest thing. Like he's like, he's like, he's never seen anyone recut a vocal while smoking a joint at the same time <laughs> so Dylan's like oh, yeah, I'm ready I'm ready let's go let's go so he gets in there and the song starts and he's lighting up his joint he takes his first puff and he goes oh and then he goes uh, he goes into the first verse lady we ought to think twice oh before we start something nice and he's like he's smoking through the whole thing and Dwale is like getting his mind blown like how the f- how the fuck is he doing this like I-, I can't even smoke a joint and talk like let alone <laughs> this guy this guy's puffing his brains out in the booth and he's cut he's cutting the vocals and you can't tell like when you when you're hearing it maybe i think when you get to the about the bit where he goes no need to sacrifice the spies in our lives he starts to sort of waver yes. a bit Yes. <laughs> you know oh like you kind of dip yeah. like the volume kind of dips almost as well like he's moving away there i think maybe he was maybe going for a breath right maybe <laughs> um but i just i got <laughs> fell in love with the track all over again i'm like man that's just so cool that's just a, a story you would want to hear from a legend who just did shit on the fly who did it from his heart and his gut and his soul and was able to do it most yeah. of the time ripping ripping a joint so my my hero man and yeah. credit to him for and not saying duele you sing it do you know what i mean because i always like jd singing again <laughs> yeah. aphrodisiac but to have to be in a room with duele like it takes <laughs> like, a, a certain bit of shit. balls doesn't it to, to say i'll sing it and duele's like yeah. no dude i can do it i'm pretty good <laughs> and he's like no i'll do it i'm okay <laughs> but you know, that's, his that's stature the- was such that yeah. you would just be like okay be like you know what i'm fine with that did you i'll do whatever you want me to do yeah james but, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah but can you i mean the only thing that could have made that better is if it was think twice featuring d'angelo mm. i mean oh my gosh featuring d'angelo you'd be killing it before we finish that off i there is the instrumental version of the track right if you get welcome to detroit the instrumentals Mm. You know when you when you hear the album version and it goes into the piano break, dun, 
dun, dun, dun, yes, and it's just yeah. the piano and the, and the and the finger clicking. You can still hear a bit of a beat in the background, like they've muted the beat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can still hear a beat going. Boom, boom, dish, boom, dish, boom. Listen to the instrumental version. They don't mute that part. It's they leave the whole drum beat in there, and it's live oh, drumming. Okay. Does the instrumental version go straight into like the worst interlude in the world? that you can um because that that is is the worst you've got this glorious (laughs) song that is top five dinner track for me and then it just goes into are they playing dice yeah yeah that always threw me off whose idea was that and it's like and then they're running exactly. away it really was it's jarring it's jarring as fuck man really it it's, it's just no and good, i <laughs> there's no good place to cut it do you know what i mean if you're putting it in a mix or on a radio <laughs> you can't cut that like it's too abrupt exactly it, like, exactly so which annoying. is why it's in the mix it's <laughs> so annoying it why would you have this perfect song and then take literally the worst <laughs> interlude that you can do to, well, to hey, close man, it out you know why Tell me. Because I, I, after years of thinking about that, I'm like, you know what? You know what that whole thing's about? Because you got to think twice. <laughs> you got to think twice. That shit that they're doing there, they, he had to think twice. He didn't think twice, and that shit went south. <laughs> Motherfuckers need to think twice before they start something nice. Ooh, ooh. What okay? a perfect that's, that's, that's there. Done. That's the moral of the story. That's why that's there. That's at least that's uh, like the explanation I came up with myself. And when you said you wanted to close with it, I thought, how am I going to cut it mm. like that in? There? But I'm, I'm now. No. We're, we're, it's now part of it, so I'm going to include the whole. We're going to put the no, whole no cutting. Please no do cutting. not cut it. It's I 100% there. And then you'll you can match it up, <laughs> match it up with my impersonation. It's almost spot on. I guarantee you. <laughs> All that oh, money you would be rolling in the that's a yes, perfect, actually like that. Uh, yeah. That's perfect. You know, that guy yelling in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, yeah. it's an amazing show. Obviously, I've not got through all of it yet. Um, but I wouldn't expect you to, my man. It's but it's it's glorious, and it's 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 a work of genius, dude. And couldn't be prouder Thanks, to man. to be able to host this in in any capacity and for to break it down into subsequent week but uh i don't know i couldn't thank you enough for it for taking the time and letting us be a part of it and your confessions journeys mm. my man they're happy stuff. to uh keep on keeping on and like i said there'll be more shows coming in the year at a regular pace so i'm actually Fantastic. already halfway through the rasan rasan patterson show Brilliant. that's next amazing sean patterson and then jamiroquai comes after then possibly bardu to finish off the year maybe Wonderful. yeah we'll see how we go Excellent, man. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. It's now, what, one in the morning? 105, but like I said, I've, yeah, I know. I've had my condensed milk and my tea. <laughs> uh, I've still got plenty of like uh, music to make. I'm making original music in the wee hours now, which is crazy. And I'm eating beef jerky and I'm not going anywhere, <laughs> man. You're not inconven- inconveniencing me. I'm inconveniencing you and the listeners. <laughs> the viewers. Well, they're not you're, viewers, but we'll, we'll we'll clarify that at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you're the man, dude. Thank you so much for your time, and I hope we can connect no. again through this uh, for anything else. That would be awesome. We shall. You are also the man, and Cheers, we are the dude. men. <laughs> All right. Peace Cheers, out. Cheers, dude. All the best. Thank you.
what's up, what's up? Yo, 50 of my man's right now. Put your money back, my man. I'll let you talk to me. Alright, put your money back. I'll let you talk to me. 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 Get that money! 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 Get that